0: You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Good morning, good morning. I hope you guys are doing all right. Wow, what a uh, amazing time of worship! Thank you, uh, Paul and Elodie, for the the fun and seeing this morning, playing tricks on us with uh, coming in late and uh, you know with testimony videos that aren't there and all the fun stuff. But it's so good to have just your joy. Um, before I, I start preaching this morning, um, just one of the things uh, in our Facebook chat, I know we got a bunch of people on YouTube, a bunch of people on Facebook Live as well, um, but Chloe had just said, can we pray for any of our year 12 students? Um, so can you join me? I, I want to pray. Obviously there's uncertainty we're coming to the end of the year, all the stuff that's going on. I know that you know, there's many people facing different difficulties, but I think it's a great thing as God highlights. So if you have a year 12 student that's in your home, Why don't you lay hands on them right now? Otherwise, would you join me as we pray? Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for our youth and our young adults, Lord. And we thank you for each and every um, young person who's doing year 12 right now, Lord. And we just realize the turmoil they've been through over the last couple of years. Lord, we pray right now for your peace, Lord. Lord, would you give them, Lord, just, Lord, a supernatural peace that surpasses understanding. Lord, would you help them? Lord, would you guide them, Lord? Lord, would you give them, Lord, strength to finish Lord, this season, well, Lord, whatever it looks like, Lord, will, we, will they finish well? And Lord, we just Lord, stand against anxiety this morning, Lord, for our year twelve students, but also for for anyone who's feeling uncertain. Lord, we just stand against anxiety. We pray for your peace in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, Amen. Well, yes, let's let's keep praying for our, our students. Let's keep praying for our uni students. Um, thanks for joining us online. Yeah, um. Uh, Last week we we sort of were unpacking around discipleship. We looked at our discipleship circle: um, engage, establish, equip, and empower. Engage, establish, equip, and empower. This is what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. And it's you know at times it's it's the same old strokes. It's it's the same thing over and over and over again. We engage, we establish people, build foundations, we equip, and then we empower people to do it. And we do that over and over and over again. And we, and we want to stay on that. We, we don't want to just talk about it. We want to be a people who are actually doing it. Um, but I haven't been able to get away from the, this thought this week as, a, as I've sort of been meditating on the, that discipleship circle and praying and saying, God, what are you saying? I haven't been able to get away from this thought that, that if we're going to be a people who engage those around us with the gospel, we have to be able to sound a clear call. If we're going to be a people who engage, we have to be a people who are sounding a clear call. And my worry is this. Even as we talk about staying focused on Jesus and being disciples that make disciples, my worry is that we're, we're in danger of losing our clear prophetic mandate. We can get so caught up in the, the arguments and the debates and the different sides, um, and we can get so caught up in, in, uh, in all the other stuff that people begin to tune out or switch off Of what we should be declaring. We're losing our clarion call. The call of this, that Jesus is king and he loves you. That Jesus is king and he died so that you can have relationship with God. Revelation says this, that the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And I'm concerned that much of the church is losing its testimony. So today I want to ask us this question. How do we keep our attention on Jesus in this media age? How do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? How do we make sure that we're not losing our voice or our testimony in this time? Many have said that, uh, that we've moved um, from the information age to the disinformation age. Um, and I think, you know, the last two, two years, this saying has probably proved itself to be uh, to be more true than ever before. Um, we see so much sort of going on around us. Um, and we we're, you know, we're all having the to to daily sort of navigate through different conversations and messages and videos that are coming away and try to, desert, to to discern which of the voices um that are vying for all of our attention are true and which aren't and which should we be paying attention to. And one of the biggest problems that this presents to us is that it's oft so often stops us from actually loving our actual neighbor. And all of the stuff that's going on, one of the biggest problems is that it stops us from loving our, our actual neighbor. And the truth is this, that what we give our time or our attention to tends to be what forms us. What we give our attention to tends to be what forms us. And you know, w- w- what we fill ourselves with is what forms us. It, it, that, that's why in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says this. It says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we behold him, as we give Jesus our attention, we're transformed into his likeness with unveiled faces. As we behold his glory, we're being transformed into that same image. That's why it says that in 2 Corinthians, that what we behold or what we give our attention to is often what forms us. We want to be people who are formed by Jesus and not by everything else around us. But there's many other things in this time vying for our attention. And what we give our attention to will form how we think and who we become. One of the problems with, you know, with the media you know, in general, both you know, TV, written news cycles, our social media feeds, which you know, really is our own sort of personal news cycles, is that it not only informs us, but it also forms us. It, tra- it, it forms who we are. And the, 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 it's interesting. The media's biggest strength is how it creates a, a subculture, c- communities that belong, that can span across the world. You know, people find their belonging in those subcultures. You know, I, I find it very interesting that there's people who are more comfortable in their sort of online Reddit community um, with other people who share the same interests as them than they are with their actual neighbor, who's probably very different to, who, to, to what they're like. The news cycles that we, that, that, that we face, you know, in particular, news cycles form community around current affairs or you know, opinions or the latest outrage. And this, ca- this can at times make us more concerned for what's going on in the world far away from us, where we possibly can't really make that much of a difference, than what's happening in our very own neighborhood where we can. Can I say this? We should be praying for and we should be interested in what's happening in other nations. We need to be praying for Afghanistan. We need to be interested in what's happening in other places. But it can't be at the expense of loving and engaging those who are right in front of us. It's not one or the other. It's both. And too often it becomes one or the other. It's interesting. And I think it's helpful to note that uh, that news media essentially is a secular market-based approach to belonging. They've actually got this thing down you know, down uh, surprisingly well. Um, you don't really have to do much to find a place of belonging. All you have to do is tune in, log in, um, consume, comment, pick a side. And we find our identity in that. It's interesting that Jesus comes to change our identity, to give us his identity. So, you know, we, we give them our attention, and in exchange um, for feeling informed and receiving a sense of identity, um, you know, that we, we give them a, our attention, we feel informed, we get a sense of identity, and that's what advertisers like they like us to identify with them. Um, as an example, I mean, I don't know if you've ever gone to a sports game um, where you haven't gone for either side. Um, Hugo and I went to the uh, the A-League Grand Final just because we could get tickets to it and it was a game that we could go to when things were opened up. We didn't go for either side, but we happened to sit in a section of very passionate supporters. And by the end of the game, we found that we were very passionately cheering for a side that, up to this point, we very passionately disliked. I won't tell you which side it was, but um, it, it, it's interesting how you know you, you spend enough time with people that are passionate about something, and you you find yourself being passionate about something that you've actually never really cared for before. Um, the, the the news media in general invites us into this game of you know of politics, where where it becomes. Um, more about whose side is winning than the character of the politicians or the content of their policies or any of those other things and i think it's po- it, it, this is an important thing for us to know that it's important for us to know that this is by design it's not it's not uh, an accident it's by design because we're all susceptible to it if we're not aware of it we don't realize that we're susceptible to it and we're all susceptible to it unless we're intentional about what it is we're doing and what we're called to as believers and the church. Remember, we're talking about engaging. We're talking about being disciples who make disciples. How do we keep our eyes on Jesus and not lose our prophetic voice? In contrast to the media's approach, the local church, which is who we are, looks to ground people in a particular place with a, you know, a, a peculiar, a particular diverse community where we can love our neighbor more than our cause. And the local church looks to ground people in a place where where we can be formed around the story of the gospel rather than the story of the latest outrage, politics, whatever else is happening. We're, We're grounded into a particular place with a diverse set of people who are different than us, who challenge us, and where we're challenged to love our neighbors more than our causes, and where we're formed around the story of the gospel rather than all the outrage around us or all the other things that are happening. In in Colossians 3 verse 2, the writer writes this, Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are of earth. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. This isn't about um, being ignorant or sticking your head in the sand. Um, What it is about is realizing that we're a kingdom people and that this is not our home. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. This links us when we do this, when we, when we choose to set our mind on the things that are about. It links us, the, the church, the body of Christ into eternity, into a different focus and a different time. It's about uh, you know, living with an eternal perspective. And um, uh, some of you guys have uh, have started subscribing to our midweek extra, but Gabby and I had um, the opportunity this, this week, this week that's just gone by in our midweek extra, to talk about, Living um, in the with the urgency of eternity, um, let me encourage you go have a listen if you haven 't and uh, subscribe on wherever you get your your podcast from but it, this changes our perspective that you know when we have an eternal perspective, it changes how we see history and time, but it also changes how we live now we 're a pilgrim people this isn 't our home. we have to have an eternal perspective. it changes how we view time and how we live right now, and that you know, there 's essentially sort of um, Two different ways in which culture relates to time, and it's helpful for us to know because it influences the way that we that we interact with each other and that we interact with what we what we're um, what we're consuming and also with the Lord. One is that the the the, the one way that the, that culture views time is that it's cyclical. Um, that cultures connect around earthly seasons, historical events, um, things like that. Yeah, things that that happen every year. It, it's cyclical. The other is that time moves forward chronologically, that there's, there's a forward movement. The Western world, and this is helpful for us to know, has largely adopted that, that latter view, that, that time is, um, is chronological, or it's moving forward. And so we often use the language of progress. Um, the, 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 the news media kind of exists to let us know how progress is going. You know, how are we going with progress? But progress is very subjective. Um, and it, the, the idea of progress really depends upon your, your ideology. Um, what one may see as progress, someone else might see as regress. Um, the, the, the result of that is what we see around us. It's culture war, where, you know, for, for many, the point is being on the right side of history. Um, to be honest, as if such a right side of, his, of history or a history is absolute. Um, in First Peter 2... Verse 11, the Bible says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. In Hebrews 11, verse 13 to 16, it says this, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Talking about the, the heroes of the faith. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been, if they had been thinking about the land from which they had come. If they had been thinking about the land from which they had gone out. They would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. It's a different perspective. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. We are aliens. We are pilgrims in this world. This is not our home. And if we don't understand that, then we're going to be swayed. We're going to be. We're, we're going to struggle to have an eternal perspective. We're going to try, struggle to see His story, and we're going to be swayed by everything that's going on around us. In John, um, Jesus prays that we would. He, he prays that we would be in this world, but not of this world. He says this in John seventeen, verse fourteen to fifteen. He says, "I have given them Your word, and the world has hated them." Because they are not of the world. It's talking about us. He's praying for his disciples, but it's for us. The world has hated them because they're not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Verse 15, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Wow. Wow. When we have an eternal perspective, it means that that the way we view history is actually not the same as the two options that I said before. It's not just cyclical, and it's not just... Um, chronological. The way we view history is in light of Jesus. It's in light of eternity. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, firstly, uh, we do understand that there is a form of forward movement that's needed. You know, because we've died with Christ and we've been raised with Christ, now we're seated in heavenly places, Ephesians 2 verse 6 says. Um, because of that, we, we, we live spiritually in a future time. <laughs> you know, the, the, we live spiritually in this future time of Christ's return, um and we're bringing that future into now that's we we live in the tension of physically being in the now but spiritually being in the not yet that's why we pray um lord your kingdom come your will be done now be done now on earth this is where we are right now as it is in heaven or yeah you know, which which we're going to experience the fullness of one day we live in the tension of the this this now and the not yet but spiritually we're seated with Christ in heavenly places we know in eternity there's a fullness of that. So, you know, in that future is the fullness of love, there's reconciliation, there's forgiveness, there's peace, there's no sickness, there's fullness of joy and all those amazing things. And so we bring that into our families as believers who have an eternal perspective, we bring that into our families. We bring love and reconciliation and forgiveness and peace and joy into our our families and our workplaces and our communities and Whenever we get to engage people, that's why we're talking about being disciples who make disciples. As we engage, we bring that spiritual future reality that we'll see the fullness of into the now. This is, it's our call as disciples who make disciples. It's our call as those who are called to be salt and light here on the earth. So we we do see a sense of forward motion. But we also have this idea that we live um, with time being cyclical. I mean, you know, we celebrate. Uh, you know, events every year like Christmas and Easter. And to be honest, even every week, uh, you know, su- our, our Sunday gatherings, other gatherings that we have. You know, why do, we, why do we gather every week? It's not just to tick a box. It's not the religious thing to do. It's because it's part of, uh, of grounding ourselves into the story of Jesus. The challenge for us as believers is to discern the times through Jesus, not through the newspaper or the TV or the media. That we find our perspective in Christ and not through what's going on around us. We we interpret what's going on around us through Jesus. As, as Paul shared a few weeks ago as he was, as he was preaching, um, he, he said that, he, that we're called to be full of wisdom. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. But it isn't wisdom that's just natural knowledge. Um, like the sons of Issachar, we need to be able to discern the times through Jesus Christ. Essentially, this is this that the way we live as Christians, um, the 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 way we as sorry the way as uh, we as Christians relate to time and interact in the space that we live is through Jesus and what He's done through His story, which we call the gospel. The way we interact is as Christians is through Jesus. We don't come to Jesus through the lens of what's going on around us. We interact with what's going on around us through who we are in Christ. Jesus makes this point really clearly in Matthew 24. I love it. Um, He says that there's always been wars and rumors of wars and nations rising against nations and famines and earthquakes, tribulations, lawlessness. This is not a new thing. He says, you know, these are, these are cyclic as every generation lives out its fallenness. I mean, all you have to do is look in history uh, of, of, you know, the history of what's gone on, not just the last hundred years, but thousands of years. Um, They're they're cyclic, as each generation lives out its fallenness. But at the same time, the gospel will advance. There's a a forward movement. And and the Bible says that has to be preached in every nation before the end will come. Matthew 24 and verse 14. So when we live in his story, in the story of Jesus, we're able to place current events like all the wars, earthquakes, pandemics, the YouTube video you've been sent, the, you know, the, the, the politics of the moment, the fear mongering that's going around. You're able to place all of them not in the context of human progress, but in the context of a king who is unchanging and the unfolding of his salvation plan. Suddenly, our perspective shifts. When we live in the context of his story, everything that's going on around us, we don't view it through the context of human progress, but through the context of a king who does not change. And the unfolding of His salvation plan, we find our purpose, we find our meaning, we find our perspective. If you go through history, our present time of disinformation, propaganda, conspiracies, world leaders plotting—you know—against other world leaders is just like any other time. Uh, maybe you turn with me if, um, to Psalm chapter two. In Psalm chapter two, David asks this. He says, "Why do the nations rage?" And people plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves um, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. Why do they, I mean, the, the, the restlessness of leaders, the, the the manipulation of the masses is nothing new. I mean, this is David. This is before Jesus. A uh, thousand years before, a hundred years before, saying, you know, why do the nations rage? Let, let, let's read on. He says, um, Why do they plot against the Lord's anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Verse four, he who sits in the heavens laughs and the Lord holds them um, in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, as for me, I I have set my king on Zion, on my holy hill. I will tell them of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. This is capital S talking to Jesus. Today I have begotten you. Wow. The, 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 this psalm, Psalm 2, shows that the, you know, the violence, the restlessness of the nations doesn't move the people of God. It shouldn't move the people of God because we understand that the Lord is sovereign. And through it all, he's ultimately working out his plan. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, we understand that we are partners in this plan. It's not just God's sovereign and therefore he'll just do what he wants to do. We part, he chooses to partner with us. We have a part to play as disciples who make disciples to engage the lost, to bring his love, to bring that, that, that future full, spiritual fullness into the now to see people encounter Jesus. So what does this mean for us? How do we keep our eyes on Jesus? How do we live for eternity and not get derailed by media and everything that's going on around us? How do we make sure we're not losing our prophetic, our prophetic voice in this time I've got five points for us this morning firstly this use media to love your neighbor we're talking about engaging use media to love your neighbor as as christians we don't live in the story of current affairs but in the story of the gospel the story of jesus but we can use media we can even use our social media to inform us on how we can truly love our neighbors. The, the, the one that we can actually see and talk to and bring the, the, the love of Jesus to and buy groceries for and share the gospel with. You know, as we've seen um, over the course of this last week, uh, you know, what's happening in Afghanistan, it helps us to know how we can pray, how we can, how we can give, how we can, how we can support, but also let it lead us to reach out to our Afghani neighbors our friends, our clients, and, and share the love of Jesus and tell them that there's hope. There's hope. And let them know that we, that we, that we cry with them and we weep with them and we stand with them and we love them. Activism uh, can have its uses, but it almost always tries to force us into choosing a side of history. But what's far more important is how you're practically loving your neighbor not how we're marching or making a stand or posting on social media. How are you loving your neighbor? Can I ask you, friend, whether you're watching right now or whether you're listening back on our podcast, how are you loving your neighbor this week? Who can you encourage? Sadly, I think we, we, we often have a false sense of impact because we've exchanged personally loving, personally caring for, personally talking to somebody, for posts and thumbs up and love hearts. And, you know, it's not lost on me the irony that I'm preaching this preach and, it's, and you're watching via Facebook or YouTube or listening on a podcast. I, I get it. This is the time that we live in. But actually, you know what? We can, we can even in this, we can switch off and go, yep, I did, my, I did my sort of live stream thing on a Sunday and not go and love our neighbor this afternoon or take some bread to our, you know, the person across the road or pray for the sick. Let's take, let's take engaging and loving out of the general realm of out there and ground it to those who are right here in front of us right now. Let's take it from the ethereal, from the, 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 the theory of engaging, and let's get practical with it. That's why we talk about activations. We want to be a people who do it, not just who talk about it. Secondly, what can we do? What does this mean for us? Step into the gospel story. Firstly, use media to love your neighbor, but secondly, step into the gospel story. We're designed as humans to live on stories. Um, yeah, we we thrive on hearing and telling stories. Much of how history has been has been passed down is through storytelling and families telling stories. But in the absence of the story of Jesus, we live on whatever else is served to us through the news cycles, social media, other media. It's not by coincidence that one of the, um, the, the, the largest consumed forms of new media is stories. It's not by coincidence that Instagram calls their, their media stories and Facebook has stories and even YouTube's got into, I think they call them shorts because I think stories was copyrighted or whatever. But, you know, we love stories. You can quickly lose an hour of time just watching people's stories because that's how we're designed. Um, but step into the gospel story. Step into the story of Jesus. We have to think care- carefully about, I think, about how we step into and live in the story of Jesus and not allow competing stories, to be honest, can I say this, even the story of of the church or what we're doing, to not allow competing stories to usurp the place of the gospel, the story of Jesus in our daily or weekly or monthly rhythms. Secular news, social media, the stuff around us has been designed to fill the void of belonging that so many people um, no longer have. Either because they've been physically displaced, you know, they're, they're not connected, they're, they're, um, they've been con- convinced that you know, it's about progress or productivity more than anything else. It's been designed to fill that void. I mean, it, you know, to be honest, it, it, <laughs> this even plays into how we have fun. How many of you um, have a, a Fitbit or a, a, a step tracker? You know, it's like more more steps. I have a thank you, Lily Grace bought me a, a Fitbit as yeah you know, for my birthday. It's very nice. I love it. Um, but it's amazing that you know more more steps on my smartwatch shows progress in my fitness plan, and so it it feels more successful to go for a run than to have a morning devotion or to to tune into a Sunday preach. Most church leaders have have, note, have noted this that. Um, We seem to be competing more for people's time as each year passes. And it's because the secular story of progress and productivity has become all-encompassing to us. But there's a solution to step into Jesus' story, to break the cycle in our lives. And that, that, that solution is to step into the gospel story. To, to link our lives into the story of Jesus and the gospel. And to link our lives into the eternal. To change our perspective and say, this isn't our home. It's not all about now. I have an eternal perspective. I'm here for a greater reason. To, 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 to link our lives back into the story of Jesus. The early church did this, I love this, by creating a calendar that existed from, from Advent to Pentecost. They immerse they themselves for at least six months of the year. They engulfed themselves in the story of Jesus. There are events linked back to the story of Jesus. I mean, you know, people often tell me, oh, but you know that Christmas is pagan and Easter is pagan. And I said, yes, and you know, historically, that Christians put events on those days to claim back those days and to link it into the story of the gospel. To say, "Yeah, you know, this links us back into Jesus. Why do we celebrate? Because of Jesus. Many church leaders have realized over the, I think, this current time that we've been in, um, that we've relied heavily, maybe too heavily, on church events and meetings to people people connected and envisioned. And we see when we're not able to physically gather, where our actual connection, where our actual understanding of of local church and community is grounded. It's one of the reasons I I believe God's highlighting again discipleship. It's not event-driven. It's not just about gathering in a big meeting. It's being disciples who make disciples who are connected, who care for each other, who have the, 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 who are linked into the gospel story and have the kingdom at heart. But uh, you know, as individuals, in our families, in our discipleship groups, as a church community, let's be intentional about connecting with the gospel story. Why do we gather as a church every week when we can? I mean, to be honest, why do we even live stream every week? Why not just send out some notes? You guys can read them whenever you want. Why is, you know, why do we fight for a sense of gathering even if it's online? Because it links us into the gospel story. It links us into the eternal community, the cloud of witnesses who have gone before and those who will come after. It's like, you know, we, we, we find our place in the eternal, in the, you know, the, those who have gone before that are, that are saying, run the race, run the race, reach those of us and those who are going to come after us. Those who are discipling us and those who, who we can disciple. It links us. That's why we gather. That's why we're doing this. I mean, it takes it's a lot of effort to live stream. It'd be a lot easier just to send out things. It takes effort to gather. It takes effort to, to, to prioritize it. But it, that's the cyclical linking us into the eternal. It can include celebrations, it can be shared devotions, fast, preaching series, prayer times, worship, um, all of those things. We can, you know, uh, tie, uh, our corporate times of praying together. Um, these all go a long way into pulling ourselves and others out of a secular calendar, a secular story that we find ourselves in. They go a long way toward that. Thirdly, thirdly, don't let media ruin relationship. Hello. Don't let media ruin relationship. The strength of the church lies in its relationships. Jesus said this, they will know you not by your signs and wonders, not by your prophetic accuracy, They will know you by your love for one another. Yes, we go after signs and wonders. Yes, we want to be accurate in the prophetic. Yes, we want to see a release of of, of the gifts of the Spirit. But Jesus says they will know you by your love for one another. Don't let media ruin your relationships or stop you from engaging in loving. And don't make media the thing that divides you from relationships. Remember that much of, uh, of what we're consuming is driven by algorithms. It's designed to keep you on and keep you consuming and keep you outraged. I was talking to someone this week about a particular topic and he, and he, he said, you know, um, he said, most of the vitriol and most of the aggression that I see comes from this side. And, and, and I honestly was like, really? Because most of the, the aggression and vitriol I see comes from the other side. And then I kind of like had to stop and laugh and I thought, maybe we're only seeing the side that we're already clicking on and that we're already being fed, and we're allowing it to divide. Don't allow one side to ruin real relationships and cause disunity. That's what I'm saying. Don't allow it to stop you from engaging and loving people who are created in the image of God and who Jesus died for. Don't allow it to ruin relationships. And we have to, we, we have, to have a better understanding as well, I think, in this, of a, a better understanding, a better theology of local church of who we are, not just an organization, not just a building or, or a meeting, a lampstand established and placed by the Lord, a specific people called by God, added together, hearts knit together under the leadership of leaders who are chosen and ordained by the Lord, not self-appointed, to grow and build together to fulfill the mission of God in the place that he's positioned us. We have to have a, a stronger, deeper understanding of local church. As we look to center ourselves around the story of Jesus, we can look and see how to make you know, these moments an opportunity for relationships to form rather than just another thing on the calendar. Let's look, I mean, you know, even through a live stream, is it an opportunity for relationships to form? We can go on walks with each other. When we can gather again, are we looking at it through a let's just get the job done, or is there re- relational reality in it? Fourthly, got two more points. Quickly, remember that media usually wants to get you emotional. Not all the time, but usually wants to get you emotional. A lot of the media is designed to get you stirred up, to get you angry, to get you moved in some way. We have to be aware of it. Just be aware of it. The the, the likelihood of you sharing emotive news is much higher than informative news. That's human nature, which is why everything's emotive because they want you to share and engage with it. So uh, you yeah, know, even, can I be honest, even so-called um, you know, Christian sources often thrive on the idea, the idea of controversy and outrage and us versus them to get people to click and share, because that's how they make their money. So you have to first think carefully, please, about who and what you're watching and reading and you know, how it may be forming you. And then think carefully, firstly about how is it forming me, but then think carefully about what you're sharing and decide if you're actually contributing to emerging people into the secular story of progress, bringing them into the game where where they have to root for a political side or choose a side or be entrenched in the ongoing partisanship that the media thrives on, or are you contributing to bringing them into the story of Jesus? Think about that. How is it forming you? And are you bringing people into the story of Jesus or into the story of division? Doesn't mean you shouldn't share news. Please hear what I'm saying. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't share other things, but just ask yourself why you're doing it. Before you post something, why? Why? Uh, You know, is it to inform? Is it to see how we can love our neighbor better? Is it to bring people into the story of Jesus? Or is it to share your anger and your outrage? or to make yourself look better. Can I end with this today? My fifth point. Finally, watch what you're doing. Church, friends who are watching, those who are listening online, those who are listening on the podcast, watch what you're doing. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I've heard this quoted so much over the last 18 months. But I've seen so many Christians living in the very opposite of it. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, or of self-control, some, some, some translations say. If the news you're receiving, can I say this, and the news that you're sharing is doing the opposite of this, then for the sake of the gospel, it's time to be more discerning. It's time to be more discerning. At the end of the day, are we pointing people to Jesus? Jesus. At the end of the day, is it helping us engage people that don't know Jesus yet, or is it hindering us? Are we being disciples who make disciples, or is it hindering us? Is it bringing people into the story of Jesus, or into the world's narrative? Is it uniting, or is it dividing? Is it limiting our prophetic call that Jesus is King and He loves you, or is it advancing that? More now than ever, please church, friends that are watching, We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to keep an eternal perspective and don't get derailed by the media by everything else that's going on around us and all the, the, the noise and the turmoil. We have to make sure that we're not losing our prophetic voice to continue to sound a clear call for the king and the kingdom in this time. Can we pray together? Lord, I thank you for your presence. And I thank you that you are on the throne. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this is not our home. And so when, we, when the nations rage and we see turmoil and we see the brokenness and devastation that's going on around us, Lord, we don't say this is it, this, this is it, and we have to just stay here. That we look to eternity. And we say there's a better future, that we live spiritually in that future, and we get to bring some of that into the now. And so I pray, Lord, this morning, and as people, people watch back or listen back during the week, Lord, that we would be a people who stay ruthlessly focused upon you, that we wouldn't get distracted. We, we wouldn't get caught up, Lord, in the, you know, the, the, the division, the, the, the fear mongering, the, all the stuff the media throws at us. We wouldn't play that game, Lord, but that we would find ourselves in your story. Lord, that we would be intentional about being in your story, about viewing everything around us through the lens of your story, the story of Jesus, the story of the gospel, the, 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 the one who is victorious. I pray right now, Lord, where we have contributed, Lord, to bringing people into the world's sort of, sort of way of doing things, Lord, we repent. I pray right now, would you bring us back to you? Lord, would we actually be big enough to say, you know what, that was unhelpful, but I want to shift. I want to change. And not just with, you know, 28 days of thankfulness and the, you know, the fun things that we're going to do, but ongoingly. Lord, beyond, beyond this season. Lord, in 10 years time, in 20 years time, may our legacy not be the, the amount of clicks we've got or the amount of things we shared on social media, but it would be the souls that are transformed, the disciples that have been made, those who are living for you and making disciples themselves. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to make you known. Let nothing, let nothing stop that. And if it is, Lord, we want to deal ruthlessly with it right now. Right now we lay it down. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.